This is a special Easter episode, and the unofficial 13th episode of the first season, sort of like how some buildings don't have a 13th floor, though they actually do. The first season is complete with the episode about the Bible. We will explore the life, teachings, death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ at a future season quite some time away. So think of this as a preview. Then again, for Christianity, the resurrection of Christ is itself a preview of humanity's final destiny. So this is a preview episode of a cosmic preview, you could say. We say hindsight is 2020, that those of us in the present can clearly see the obvious mistakes, bad decisions, and moral failings of the past than those who lived back then could. And that is true. But when we look back into our past, were there really no signs that we were headed in the wrong direction? Was there really no way for us to have chosen differently, chosen a better path? Were our mistakes inevitable? Perhaps sometimes, yes, but every time? Hindsight may be 2020, but foresight is not blind. We could see something. When we look back at society and the many ills that plague us today, were there no signs that these were coming? We struggle with the global pandemic in 2020 and now 2021, yet many people weren't for years to prepare for such a pandemic. We even had a blockbuster movie like Contagion and games like Plague Incorporated, which is basically all about that. So what failed? Why were we caught so unprepared? And this is likewise for environmental degradation, uh, climate catastrophes, political and social polarization, racial strife, socioeconomic inequality, threats to free speech. For every ill that we face today, there's a question, and this is a question of sin. Why did we not address them before? Did we not notice? But we did. We did know something. And that's how it always is. Was there no way for the Germans living in the 1930s to at least fear not following the fiery and flattering words of this charismatic, ultra-nationalistic, rising political star would lead to a dark future? Now, they may not have known that it would lead to a systematic murder of millions and the devastation of the world, including their homes, But were there no voice that spoke up, no voice in their hearts, that there was a scent of blood in that man's words? Was there no way for anyone to notice that the communist movement that swept across the world, promising a new age of secular material paradise, subtly harbored a kind of arrogant callousness, if not malevolence, in many of those who stood at its forefront? Perhaps they could not have known that it would bring forth regimes so tyrannical and oppressive that uncounted million sins would disappear in famines, correction camps, and purges in the Soviet Union, China, North Korea, the Khmer Rouge, and many others. But was there no one who noticed a a coldness in the air, a falseness that reminded them of, yes, the religious hypocrites of the past? Was there no reason nor voice of conscience that spoke centuries ago against exploiting and enslaving millions of indigenous people or abducting and transporting millions of Africans as slaves all for profit? 
Perhaps modern ideas like the rights of all peoples may have been only dimly perceived back then, but were there no one that said, yet still, this is crossing the line? Indeed, weren't there some voices in the churches and missions, in the colonies, in their society, and if nothing else, from the agonized cries of justice among the indigenous and the Africans themselves? So what happened each and every time? There were voices, perhaps from someone else, perhaps from within, a voice that spoke the truth. Yes, the voice of God speaking, the voice of God who speaks every truth. Now, we are always limited by our human understanding, by the moral and cultural level of our age. This is true. But there is always something, some level of truth we could have known at that time, some level of moral clarity we should have reached at that point. There is always something we could have done, something we could have known, a voice that would have spoken. So, why did we not listen? Or a more important question is, what happened to that voice so that the things turned out the way it did? What did we do? do with that voice? And this question is posed even to our individual, personal lives. When we turn to look at ourselves today, into what we have become, and if you are horrified by what we see, did we really never know, not even a bit, that this was what we were becoming? If we found out that our family bonds are broken, love that we held for one another now is turned bitter, or perhaps never held at all, did we really never know, or at least feared that this was where we were headed? If we crossed a line we shouldn't have, said words or did deeds that we never should have in our work or in our relationships or in our innermost lives, or say if we fell into addiction or gambling or into a vicious cycle of hatred, was there really nothing that told us back then, no voice within us that stopped us, that screamed as we stepped across the line? And if something did speak to us, a voice, a voice that spoke the truth, yes, again, the voice of God speaking, to turn back, to follow another path, why didn't we? Why didn't we listen? What did we do to that voice? We actually do know what happened with those voices, at least when those voices are from the outside, from other people. Because those who have the power to silence them do so, while those who don't simply ignore them. Our history is lined with such figures. Nelson Mandela was imprisoned for 27 years for speaking out against the apartheid regime in South Africa. But he was fortunate since he saw the regime fall and became the president. Others were less fortunate. Mahatma Gandhi, after a lifetime of imprisonment and struggle, saw his country's independence only to be murdered by a fellow Hindu believer for speaking out against religious violence. Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. never saw the dreams of racial equality come to fruition in his lifetime before he was murdered on April 4, 1968. But even they were fortunate in that they saw their movements in motion. Because there must have been people we do not know about, because they were silenced before anyone else heard them. There must have been such people who had quietly, perhaps with courage and conviction, or perhaps while trembling, stood up for truth, justice, and goodness, who testified against what was going wrong. Or perhaps they didn't even need to say anything at all. 
Centuries before Martin Luther King Jr., there would have been perhaps a young child from Africa looking with innocence at his potential slaver, and his very gaze alone would have been to the slaver, well, the voice of God who speaks every truth, speaking at this point without words, but speaking, nonetheless, the truth that this is a human person he is about to consign to a lifetime of suffering and servitude. And how many times did that slaver silence such a voice? What did he do to silence it? Perhaps he silenced it so many times that it no longer registered. He may even have justified himself by some verses in the Bible, a time-honored strategy favored by the devil himself according to the Christian Gospels when he quoted the Bible to tempt Jesus to abuse his power and authority. After all, evil is parasitical, and so... It is at its most powerful when it can hide and feed on the appearance of the good. Perhaps the slaver didn't even need to do any of that because the previous generation of slavers had already done all of that for him. Because in this way, sin is inherited. The wrongs of the past becomes the norm of the present. So, how many of those voices have been silenced? Voices that speak the truth, declare what is good. How many are being silenced today? Those whose names we will never know. Many voices of conscience, many voices of truth. Even now, across the world, every day, every second, tick, talk, tick, talk. That's what the Bible means when God declares, The earth itself, which received the spilled blood of those you murdered, will cry out to me against you. And there's a cost to that. We explored how the primary mode of God's judgment is that we will be made to live in the broken world we made our world to be. Every truth is God speaking, and this voice of God can speak to us from within. And that voice sometimes demands that we notice the kind of hell that we are making. And there's a cost to not listening. If we ignore or silence that voice, the consequences become larger and larger until one day the cost comes due to be paid in full, in the lives of millions, in the lands and countries devastated, as the cries of the victims are eventually joined by the cries of those who were once perpetrators. And that was the conclusion of Abraham Lincoln when the American Civil War that began to free the African slaves did not end with a quick victory of the North as he had hoped. The war continued, devastating the American countryside, spilling the blood of countless white men and tears of white women, as if to balance the blood and tears of black men and women shed before. And Lincoln wondered why God would not give easy victory for those fighting to free the slaves, and he was compelled to conclude that God was demanding account of the years of slavery, both from those who enslaved them and from those who until the war had been complicit. Or to put it in another way, the cost becomes larger as the sin becomes more and more entrenched. If the first slaver stopped his hand as he gazed into the eyes of a fellow human being he was about to enslave and heard God speak in that gaze, if he did not ignore or dismiss this voice and heard it, the cost would have been different to say the least. More and more entrenched slavery became and more and more people profited from the labor of the enslaved and justified it or looked the other way or ignored the voice, stronger the force to defend slavery became, each passing day and each passing year. And one day, it was so strong that nothing less than a protracted all-out bloody war that would ravage the entire nation would dislodge it. 
See, reality unfolds consequences. That is, God demands a cost. Hindsight is 20-20, yes. But our foresight is not blind. Given our limitations of culture, our moral norms, our understanding, could we still have made our lives, our world, better than it is now? More loving, more just, more truthful. And if yes, then why didn't we? That's our sin. That's our missed mark. But why didn't we? And the answer is, because we silenced the voice that told us we were missing the mark. Perhaps the voice from within us. Perhaps from someone else. The voice that turned out to have spoken the truth. We silenced the voice of God. Perhaps sometimes unknowingly. Or perhaps we justify silencing it, sometimes without religion, sometimes ironically by appealing to God. But we should have known what we are doing, or at the very least fear what we may have been committing. Now, Christians believe Jesus Christ is God speaking that became a human individual. We believe the entire Bible is the map of God speaking, sketching out a journey to the person of Jesus. Jesus is the voice of God in our midst, who speaks every truth unfailingly, who teaches, inspires, and admonishes us ever toward the horizon where the person of God beckons us. But human history is also the history of silencing the voice of God. And the parasitical nature of evil is such that evil can take root in those who believe themselves as defenders of what is good, or even as self-appointed advocates of God. In fact, evil is as most powerful when it can hide and draw full from what society recognizes or believes as good. And to sever every possible way that this evil could take parasitical root in what he will do, Jesus refused every offer of power to forcibly compel allegiance. He would voice what God speaks to humanity only through an ongoing relationship of love and truth. But this would leave him vulnerable to rejection. But anything else would ever so subtly distort the character of God that he reveals, twist what he speaks into something other than the full voice of God. The voice of God has always been silenced after all, And Jesus, and through Jesus, God, deliberately opened the possibility of humanity to silence him yet again. And in the end, the religious leaders of his day did reject him and conspired with these secular, well, their equivalent to secular, rulers to arrest him, to flog and publicly humiliate him, and to execute him on the cross. In a rare moment in history, heads of religious and secular circles wholeheartedly worked together to again silence the voice of God. Mobs of people joined in to sneer at his powerlessness. Others turned away, feeling that this was business as usual, nothing that hasn't happened before. That is the story of the crucifixion, where humanity nailed the voice of God to the cross. And at that cross, people gathered and scoffed. In effect saying, well, this is what God was all about. There was nothing to it, was there? Those who hoped to see God through this man, Jesus, fled and hid and despaired. Yes, we despair that God was silenced. Because it seems God will always be silenced. Jesus knew this was coming. Because this is what happens in every generation. He spoke this uncomfortable truth to the religious and moral leaders of the day. The uncomfortable truth that likely applied to us in this generation too. You 
Build monuments for the prophets and the righteous people that your ancestors killed, all the while saying, we would never have done such things. But they did the same thing you're doing, and you will do the same thing that they did. So from the first innocent murdered to the last prophet executed, you've done the same thing and will do so with me. But where does that leave us? A powerless voice of God who is always silenced? I suppose we still get snippets of that voice here and there before we silence it, so that humanity stumbles along in its history and attains some good and some truth along the way, because yes, we do make some progress, though nearly every time with suffering, agony, and blood. Or perhaps those who seek the voice of God must always make a deal with the devil to shake the hands Jesus had refused so that we don't get crucified. That means, of course, the voice of God within us will eventually be distorted and wrought so that the halls of our churches where God speaks in one generation becomes the dark palaces that echo with words of intrigue, religious hypocrisy, and tyranny. But that's the best we can hope for because after all, Jesus died and the high priest who killed him still reigned. And that is the story of the Good Friday, which at this point isn't so good. Every Easter, churches across the world declare the words, Christ is risen. And Christians throughout the world respond, He is risen indeed. On Good Friday, a few sympathizers of Jesus those who belonged among the powerful but still longed to hear God speak and to see the true reign of God had approached those who had killed Jesus. At least let us bury him, one said. We will provide the grave and the burial costs. Go ahead, said the one who killed him. The job is done. So Jesus was buried in a grave. And on Sunday morning, some women who had been Jesus' followers were going to his grave to mourn and treat the dead body of God speaking to humanity. There they would accept that this was the way of our world, our destiny, our perpetual sin. Then they arrived only to find the grave he was placed broken open and the rock to seal him in rolled to the side. In an empty grave, they received the message. You are looking for a dead body, but he is risen. So go and tell the ones who are in despair. You saw the voice of God silenced, but God still speaks. And though we sometimes may think we want God to speak in vengeance and retribution to those who silenced him, God does not, because we all have taken part in silencing his voice. That's why our world is not where it could have been and should have been. That's why our lives are not what it could be and should be. God still speaks. Yet His words do not hold condemnation for us, we who have silenced them. His voice is not tinged with even an echo of that contempt that our voices drip with whenever we speak of our many failings as a species nor his call muted with that despair or hopelessness we hold toward ourselves. This voice of God speaks firmly, kindly, yet relentlessly, once again beckoning to us, reshaping us, transforming us, until everything is made right. And so God still speaks, even when people won't hear him, even when religious people who claim God on their side won't hear him, 
even when we won't hear him, God still speaks. Because you cannot keep the voice of God in the grave. Why center everything on this one man, Jesus? Because Jesus is risen. And so God still speaks. And on this impossible witness, Christianity began. Thank you for listening to What Do You Mean God Speaks? I am Paul Sungojung, and this was our 13th hidden final episode of the first season, Easter, Why God Still Speaks. And this series will continue to delve deeper into interesting ideas, insights, and stories in Christianity. So please return for our next episodes and eventually next season. Until then, I will be waiting here.